0: Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach.
1: Welcome back to Puzzling Company. Da 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 it's your host, Zach, and always with me is... It's Jared! Da-da-da! Yes. Uh, welcome back to Puzzling Company, guys. On this episode, we're going to be talking about Enigma Emporium's Season 1, Ooh. which is Wish You Were Here.
2: So, quick interjection. I thought you were going for more of like a WWE, like wrestling, and then I was really surprised when you pivoted more game show. And then I went Family food. yeah. yeah were...
1: <laughs> I wanted to mix of both, so, you know, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. But yeah, so I very much enjoyed season one of Wish You Were Here, and I'm very excited to talk about it, to say the least. I say let's dive in. Yep, let's do it. All right, Jared, I got to cut out a little early today. I have an interview. An interview? You didn't tell me about that. Where at?
2: What soup? Oh, nice. I've heard really great things about the soup shed off of I-24.
1: So come on down to the soup shed. No, Jared. Soup is a Society for the Observation of Unknown Phenomena. They actually sent me my first case as a test. Take a look at this folder. Why is this folder full of pictures of me? Well, they are all about documenting the weird and bizarre. If you'd like a chance to join Soup, head on over to crackinutmysteries.com. How did they get this picture of me in the shower? Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are in our first segment, which is gonna be kind of discussion of the things that we me and Jared specifically liked and thought could be for rooms of improvement for the game that we played. Um just to say it again, we are we're gonna be talking about Enigma Emporiums season one, which is Wish You Were Here. If I remember correctly, it is three envelopes that Technically the, four. Well, the fourth is a is a add on to sure, it. Sure, yes. The Um, the
2: core story happens in the the first first story, but
1: there are four in the box. Correct. Uh, But yeah, we're going to be talking about all four of them, Um, the things we liked about them, the things that we thought can be improved, you know, maybe, or room for improvement. Um, But just kind of, like I said, kind of our personal opinion on the whole game.
2: Yeah, and I'll kick us off if you don't mind. Go for it. Uh, We really enjoyed this series. This is of the puzzle hunt genre, so for those of you that aren't sure, what I mean by that is you are having to do a lot of work outside of the game to figure out the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, every, like we said, we, this this review is going to be covering, I believe, 20 postcards in total, mm-hmm. which is all of season one. Um, and the, the one thing that I think is just so impressive, because you got to think, so many of the other games, it's papers, it's items. This game is just postcards. Yes. Just postcards. And... I was so thoroughly impressed by what I'm going to call the puzzle concentration mm-hmm. of the postcards. Yeah. There are so many puzzles in
1: yeah. this
2: entire experience. We did not know how to adequately game plan our time because mm-hmm. this was a lot. This is the most material we've ever covered in one review. Yeah, right. This was what eight to ten hours worth of gameplay that we're yes. talking about here. Yeah, but what is so impressive is uh, the creator's ability to hide the amount that they're able to hide in plain sight on just postcards.
1: Yes. And
2: and create a full experience. Mm -hmm. I thought it was super impressive.
1: Yeah, it's crazy how much, like, and this obviously changes based on the postcard and the envelope you're in, but I would say, what, an average of each postcard had around two two to four. I'd say an average of three to four puzzles on each. And some of those puzzles were pretty, co- like, time-consuming. And I yes. don't mean that, like, in a, like, oh, I'm wasting time. But, like, I was surprised how long sometimes we spent on a postcard, right? Yes. Um, Which, like I said, is not a bad thing, but was kind of cool how that worked. That we just had four, like, you know, four different postcards in an envelope and went, wow, sure. what, am I, what am I doing? Like, I I'm I'm researching how to look up the cipher that I've never seen before or... I'm looking up art pieces and trying to figure out the name difference or, what, you know, or whatever.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it, it it's, and I like the word concentration because like this thing just punches you in the face yes. in, in, in a really good way. Like there's just so much material and you are having to wrestle in the best way yes. to try to solve through the numerous and really cleverly constructed puzzles mm-hmm. that are in there. Like it was just, it, it we just didn't know like in the future cuz we we have season 2 we'll be reviewing reviewing season 2 down the road mm-hmm. i think we'll be better equipped to handle that and to tackle that but jumping into this for the first time i was just so impressed at, at what comes off as an unassuming postcard it could turn into one postcard could turn into an hours worth of work mm-hmm. it was awesome yeah it was really really cool what else did we like Zach
1: the narrative i think it was surprisingly intriguing it's for a puzzle hunt The narrative took a big stand in the game. Now, not fully with a lot of the puzzles. I mean, well, it was woven into a a good bit of the puzzles, to say the least. But the narrative was, like, over the three envelopes, and including the fourth one as well, how narratively constructed it was was kind of amazing. Like, in the first one, you get this mysterious, you know, envelope. Um, and this is the part I, f- I partially forget, so I apologize if I'm wrong in this in saying this. Mm-hmm. But I think you are thinking it's a serial killer, or it is someone that is it's not a good person. Yeah, that you don't getting, you don't really know you yet. don't know who they are. Yet. Yeah, but I think it is given to you as a like a serial killer who does this, and you're like okay. So I'm trying to you know like fight for my life almost by solving these different riddles, uh, you know, and puzzle, doing the puzzle hunt and all that stuff. Uh, But when you complete it, you learn what's going on to an extent of the first one, and you kind of solve one step of this big overarching narrative. You open up the second envelope, you go back to that same character, but something's happened, and you have to work with them to try to set things right. And you learn more about who they are and what they truly do, but then also you learn about this slithering secret society that's been there the entire time kind of hidden it's, you know, hidden itself in the grass. Yes. um, That you need to figure out what they, what their objective is and what they're really doing, you know? And at the end of the second one, it actually leaves you on a cliffhanger. You don't know what just happened. You just witnessed some crazy stuff and and it ends on a, basically says, see you soon.
2: Which, which we had the advantage of playing them all
1: at the same time, like, so yeah, yeah but I,
2: right. I tried to get into the mindset of imagining like, what if that's how it ended, and I had to wait another quarter.
1: That would have been oh, crazy. That would have
2: been. I would have been waiting for the next one to come in. Yeah. Another thing that I think worked really well in terms of the narrative here, like this wasn't, and this isn't to mean to be super critical of the narrative, but this wasn't some mind-blowing narrative that no one's ever created before. Agreed. But mm. what was what was really nice is that they made the puzzles the gateway to kind of earning your cutscenes like yes. c- oh, kind yeah. of a video game formula and, it, and the puzzle difficulty was pretty high so that by the time that you got to a narrative you were like oh i earned that
1: yeah you very much earned every every narrative piece you got yes
2: and 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 so I think for for me personally is more of an experience like I enjoyed that like it was fun. I, I spent some time, and I've earned this, and we we it almost increased the excitement of learning the narrative because you you had a lot of work to do in between those cutscenes,
1: yeah it's yeah but the narrative just over the three games was just so well done. Like the path, the overarching narrative, the, the small details in each of them that hint back to the, the one previous potentially, or gives you a hint of what's to come. Yes. Just uh, super well done. Um, so what do you, what was like something else that you liked about this game?
2: So again, this is, I believe our second puzzle hunt game. The Mm -hmm. first one, ironically that we played shares a name enigmas. Yes. That was the card deck. Um, they both approached them very different ways, right? Like I would call the Enigma deck by David Kwong and Dave Shukan more of a theming. This one definitely had more of a true narrative, but it was just a puzzle hunt that I feel like was done really, really well. A couple reasons for that is one, this is one of my favorite things that I've ever received in a game and will use forever. They gave you that little bookmark cheat sheet.
1: That uh, little tool to help you understand pretty much any of the more difficult or basic puzzles that you'll run into yes. was such a nice feature. That so I, nice. that we I mean, I don't think we've gotten anything like that actually out of any other game. We, that, like that. No, we haven't. In we, that quality. We
2: use it in... Everything. Yes, we, we use it we, all the time now. What we like to do in our office is, from every game, we take some of our favorite items and we tack them up to the wall. That okay. thing remained tacked up for about two seconds before we said, no, this is permanently staying on our table. Yeah, and we use it all the time And now. we use And we use it all the time. But how easy and smart was that to give people something that they will use that doesn't cost them a whole lot and is teaching them how to play their game? It's so like, nice. I just thought, and and, and, and I think that's so kind in the puzzle hunt world because the puzzle hunt world assumes that you know those things. Yeah. And they I think they did a really good job of of helping out themselves there. But just also, like, some puzzle hunts are really, really crazy hard. Some of them, um, if they're focused more on new players, can be a, a tad too easy. This just felt like smart puzzle hunting. It had a hint site, which not all puzzle hunts do. So it it, it was helping you out in that way it just felt really well-rounded because it did offer more difficult material, but it always gave you a way out if you wanted to move through it at your own pace. Mm-hmm. I love that because I so many times, especially with advanced players, on I hear, well, the game wasn't hard enough. We wanted something more difficult.
0: Yeah. If you're
2: looking for something more difficult that is going to challenge you on a puzzle level, this is the game series for you, in my opinion, because yeah. it, it's not going to hang you up on anything. Um, it, it has varying levels of difficulty throughout the the puzzles, and I just think it was really, really well thought out and really, really solidly done.
1: Yes. Agreed.
2: All right. Let's jump into a little bit of where we felt like there was some room
1: for growth. Okay. I'll, I'll start this out. I think the kind of the pathing or the onboarding in the first envelope could see some room for improvement. So what I mean by that is obviously onboarding is the experience that people get to get them to understand the rules or how the game's going to play. Yeah,
2: the boundaries or how things are going to work versus different games.
1: When you get this, um, the narrative kind of tells you, okay, you've been sent this and you are trying to solve the puzzles in hand. That's all you know, basically. So when you open up all these different, you know, you open up the envelope and you get a bunch of postcards... And it's just filled with different puzzles and you don't know what to do with it. It felt very overwhelming when we – because, I mean, we'll we'll say this. When we completed the first one, I had literally no clue what to do with the information that we had for the longest time until it told us. And it basically goes, oh, well, you need to email this person.
2: If you're not familiar with what you're trying to do, the first thing that you ever do can be really jarring. Yes. And it felt that way for us because we were solving puzzles, but because we didn't have any type of input mechanism yes. at the moment, we questioned everything. Every, everything. everything. yeah, Every single puzzle was wrong. Now, there is a way that you could have discovered where this information was supposed to go earlier in the game, but the game did not do a good job of pointing you to do that first. Yeah, And if it had done that, then I feel like that's a great onboarding step. So then when we solve something, we could have said, oh yeah, that is correct. But a lot of these puzzles, some of them have longer processes. Oh yeah. Um, One in particular that I think of gave you a super long series of something that we were looking at each other and saying, okay, is that just the first step of the puzzle? And and when you get to the point where you need that information, it makes a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But at the time, and I'm always more critical of the first game in a series, I think you just owe it to your consumers to set them off and put the right taste in their mouth off the bat. And I think this game with a few tweaks could very easily set the game up to say, hey, go this route. Here's a here's where things are going to be inputting. Here's your first step. But for the longest time, because the game did not prescribe the path to us, we just set off like any old adventure. Oh, we probably need to start solving stuff. I have no idea where this information is going to go. And that that left us wondering. Now, when we started, because ta- again, we're talking about all of the series, you, once you get into the second set and the third set and the fourth set of envelopes, you're ready to rock and roll. Oh, yeah. But it, just again, in that first set, we felt like we needed more boundaries and directions in order for this experience to start off smoother.
1: Agreed. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. So, Jerry, what else did you think about that were like rooms for improvement?
2: So these next two things, I think we're getting a little more into the tedium, right? Yeah. I think the first thing is very valid. Um, objectively valid and I think the next two things are a little more subjective Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there were some puzzles in the entire experience um, that were just difficulty like big difficulty jumps Mm -hmm. in in the puzzle themselves where you got part of the way through it and then you were wondering because in the way that you and I view experiences there's 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 two ways that we kind of judge a puzzle. Mm-hmm. If we if we got it great, we need to go back, we need to look at the hints and make sure that anybody who played this could have get got it through it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is could somebody get through this without using hints? Yeah. Cuz I think both both need to happen for a good game. There needs to be people mm-hmm. that can get through the game with no hints. Because that shows that even for an advanced player, this is on par. And then, can a new player get through this? Is kind of the first example that I gave. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of puzzles, not many. I would say, if if we played over the course of the first season, we there's probably close to a hundred puzzles.
1: True. In, mm-hmm. in
2: in that first season alone, maybe eighty, 80 to a hundred. I would say maybe three to five percent of them were, in my opinion, just
1: like really hard there was like i mean i remember specifically one or two that between both of us took a long time of like looking at it and realize like
2: even just, taking the hints yeah we were still a like, couple of them where we were like oh i'm it, it, it was either we were just completely unfamiliar mm-hmm. with that type of puzzle mm-hmm. or it was just like wow that compared to the rest of the stuff that had been going this mm-hmm. tough and it's also hard because this this game doesn't necessarily prescribe a linear pathway mm-hmm. when you're tackling the puzzle material. Eventually, again, like everything, it bottlenecks. Yeah, and then you've got to input information to work yourself through the narrative. But when you were having so much success, and and then we we would say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing that. And then then when we had everybody around that puzzle, and even with some of the hints, sometimes we were like. Oh, that's not making a whole lot of progress that difficulty jump felt off,
1: yeah, I can understand that, and I think the other thing, like so this is like a uh, not a little bit of a reach, but this is kind of just personal is like a couple of the puzzle connections just didn't have like their own little issues. It just felt like sometimes the puzzles a few of the puzzles were trying to connect you to do something else right, and I mean specifically, there's one where it's like hinting at you to use another card to complete it and Luckily enough, the one I'm thinking of in my head, I caught on to it not too long. But, I mean, when Jared asked how I did it or how I made that connection, he's like, like I was like, yeah, there's no way you would have known. <laughs> like, it, I mean, there is a way to know. Obviously, I figured it out. But, like, there's just a few, like, they're trying to get you to make these connections between, like, this card and this card. And it just felt off or that it wasn't fully um, – it wasn't clear. Sure. That's what you're trying to do.
2: My mine was more in the research section. Okay. Yeah, um, I felt like there was a couple of times because you are you're having to go out and uh, I'll give an example that I don't think is going to be too much of a spoiler. Interact with the periodic table. Yeah, is one of those things, and you go do that. But um, for the I, again, I would say for the most part, this was ninety five percent. This was done super well, but then there were five percent of the time where you were having to dive. Into some really specific things that if you just could not make that connection, then yeah. you had no hope of even starting the
1: puzzle. Yeah, no, I that definitely makes sense. And again,
2: super thankful that this is a puzzle hunt that has hints. So we were able yeah. to go to the hints and go, oh, but we, again, when we get there, we were like, there's no way even a majority of people did that. Yeah. It it felt too far of a reach subjectively again our opinion. Yeah. Uh to get us to go that right because in the puzzle hunt world and sometimes in the escape room world you're identifying what the puzzle is. Yeah. And then you're working through the process of going a solution. But there were some puzzles that it was like we don't even we we got nothing. Mm-hmm. We like we can't even begin to work through the 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 identity and the process of this puzzle.
1: Oh, I, I think of one specifically that very much frustrated me, but, um, but I, I won't talk about it cause I don't want to, I don't want to ruin that puzzle.
2: And, and and it's not that the frustration was bad. I, I enjoyed that. So many of these on the onset stumped us.
1: Oh, I like the challenge. Uh, Jared will tell you, I, I, I don't know what it was with specifically this game, but I felt like with this series or the season, I, this is humble brag. I popped off. <laughs> I enjoyed it so much, and I very much loved the challenge that it gave. It very much challenged me to a whole different level on what I could research yes. or figure out. And I agree. I think some of it was very difficult. That there were points we literally just couldn't make that connection at yes. all. And that was the frustrating part. At, at, at you know, like I so said, that was like over eighty. You know, over eighty puzzles. That was maybe like four times. Right. It wasn't a lot, but it, it was just one of those things that it unfortunately came up. More than once, it was like a ah oh man, like yeah. I hate getting literally a hundred percent stumped on this. Instead of being like, oh, I get like most of it, but I'm just missing that fi- like that
2: yes, like, that little detail, That little
1: detail. But there was somewhere I was like, I I literally have no idea what I'm looking for with this.
2: And I think that's the difference in what we're talking about here in terms of the connection issues mm-hmm. is that I I and we've said this before. I like going to a hint when I don't understand a puzzle, reading the hint and going, Zach, we're dumb. Yeah. Like we totally blew that. But mm-hmm. when I when I went and did this this time, it's not that the hints didn't make sense. It just felt like the material was either too vague or niche or difficult, or there was just uh, an uh, an issue regarding the reach that we were supposed to make with with garnishing the information. Mm-hmm. I don't think there were hardly any in terms of puzzle process, right? Like once we discovered what the puzzle was, it was very easily to do. Agreed um but it was more so on that front end of making the puzzle connection on some of them it was like that seemed a little little too much or
1: a little too far yeah no i i very much agree with that
2: but again as as we as we're wrapping up what we're talking about by far and large this was incredibly enjoyable
1: oh i this is i mean i've enjoyed a lot of our experiences but i think overall this was by far my favorite i mean I enjoyed the both puzzle hunts we've done, but this is by far my favorite puzzle hunt that I've currently done. And I, I had a blast with all the the yeah. postcards
2: to say the least. Immensely satisfying solving a, a more difficult puzzle. Yes. Right. There's a level of ownership and and, and you said this. You you felt that. Because you I, I would say that you solved probably I would say sixty to seventy percent of the puzzles throughout this entire series. Like you were just on it.
1: Yeah. I uh It was nice. I mean, some of it I I was, yeah. I mean, it was a blast. It definitely felt good when I would look at Jared because this happens a lot when we play games. Me and Jared look at each other and we give each other that smirk of like, I figured it. (laughs) And I love doing that to Jared because the moment I find it, Jared just looks at me and he goes, oh, he figured it out. And I just go on the board and I start writing like a whole paragraph of how I figured that out, that answer. And I'm like, that just felt nice. Yeah, it it was great.
2: It was great. So to wrap it up, super impressive. Like hats off to packing a. Really great puzzle hunt and narrative experience into postcards. Just yes, postcards. Agreed, yeah. Super cool. Definitely worth checking out. That is going to wrap us up for our first section. Everybody hang around for Puzzles to the People.
0: Solve puzzles. Write reviews. Win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People.
2: Zach, listen, man. We, we need to have a talk.
1: Okay. What about?
2: Well, I got your postcard in the mail, and I'm worried, man. Nothing made sense on it, and there was even s- things in there that implicated you in some kind of larger conspiracy organization.
1: Yeah, I really don't see what the problem with that is.
2: <laughs> Wait, no, this this isn't how our ads work. You usually, this is the part we would say, oh, it's a game, and crazy, Jared, and we do that whole little shtick. But you're not saying that this time, so is this... Sh- True?
1: Well, if you're curious to find out what is true, you should head over to com and check out the Wish You Were Here series.
2: Oh, so it is a game, right? Zach? Zach? Come on, man, what's true? All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Puzzles to the People in this section. We dive into a lot of different things just for more discussion, usually on larger topics that pertain to the game at hand. Today we're going back to a familiar format where we're going to be reading reviews and discussing everything that comes along here. So uh, the first review that I want to read you, Zach, is again from our friends over at Room Escape Artists. And Shut they up. said, I'm still shocked by how much puzzle play Enigma Emporium crammed into five standard postcards. They made just about everything matter. And that's the, that last sentence is what I want to dig into most because I feel like we've covered a lot of the, the first part of that. But talk 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 to me a little bit about that. Do you agree with that in terms of just the amount of space that they had and the items that were actually on the postcards?
1: Uh, yes, I agree with what uh, David and Lisa had to say about it. It is crazy how much they were able to put on these postcards. Like I said, an average of, let's say, three to four puzzles on each of them the front, if it was an art piece, sometimes was the clue. The lettering of the actual postcard. The stamps, if it was a uh, little context of little like dots in the background and things could potentially be it. It was just phenomenal how little room they have to work with with just the small postcards. But it felt like, like I said, I mean, Jared will also agree with this. There were many times that we looked at something and we were like, Okay, this also has to be a puzzle. We just – everything could be a puzzle almost. And it, most, and it mostly, and mostly was
2: because I think that's a really good thing that we did not talk about earlier is they mitigated red herrings very well.
1: There were some great red herrings actually. I, I loved it when they did do red herrings.
2: But it was on purpose.
1: Oh, agreed. Right. That was the point. That's right. what I mean by that. Yeah. That yes. Sometimes they purposely put in a red herring and but it was, told you it was a red herring. But I'm
2: t- in terms – I'm talking about in terms of accidental red herrings. Yes. I can't remember one. No, we which, never had Which is super, one. super cool for what they were doing. Agreed, yes. All right, let's go on to our our second one here. Uh, this is from Meeple Mountain. And we, we haven't done a whole lot uh, talking through Meeple Mountain. We should do more of that in the future. But they said, in some ways, it makes you feel like a crazy person, pulling strings across a map and gesturing wildly. But when you get it, when it
1: finally clicks, boy, it feels good. I, you don't have to say disagree or agree. I agree with this. I, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Nothing felt better. I, this is probably the game that I felt it the most, that when I solved something, I felt like a, like a king. Yeah. I felt so happy every time that I solved a puzzle because it was like, I was, you know, some of them, you know, we got a little, I wouldn't say like quick and I don't mean that like in a bad way, but some of them, you know, we were just able to solve quicker than others. Sure, we
2: may have been more familiar with the, materi- yeah. the material. But some
1: of the harder ones where I like sat looking at a at my phone and using the internet to like look up research on an item and I'm writing it down on the piece of paper in front of me and I'm just staring at the postcard in it, and I and I, you know, that the light bulb you know, turns on and you go, Oh. And then the moment, like I said that we said earlier, when I look at Jared and I just go, "I got it,
2: we're in, baby." And then
1: I I work it out and I show it to him, and I just went, "I literally, I, I feel like every time, a lot of my, I I stood up, I was just like, I did it. It was joyous. It it, it felt so rewarding every time that we solved a, a puzzle in this game.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. I agree. I think the if if you were to phrase a ranking on puzzle satisfaction, or Puzzle Solving Satisfaction, mm. this one's way up there, man. Yes. Because it's it's doable difficulty. Yes. And, and that was a lot of fun. So I feel like they nailed it. This next one is from Geek Dad. Ooh. Geek Dad says, if you love puzzles and escape room games, you should definitely check this series out.
1: Ooh. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, uh, if you love any of the puzzles or, you know, at-home mysteries or escape rooms, I think you would definitely enjoy it. Um, the one thing we've talked about, and I'm not saying this is a disagreement, I very much agree you should check this out. Um, the one thing is that it is a puzzle hunt, so it is different from, you know, kind of uh, escape yes. rooms. Yes, So very much saying that I think they should still check it out, but it is different. So you do need to be prepared for more research because a lot of this game is researching Um, especially if you don't know but luckily like we've said before the game does a really nice job of giving you tools to work with and generally there's not crazy research there's a few like i said we've talked about those those difficulties and some of them where the connection's really really big
2: yes i i totally agree with you i think the key phrase in there is the escape room and uh, i if you are a pure escape room player, this has the potential to drive you crazy. Yes. It's, so yeah. so know, know the differences in the genre of game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number four for you is uh, I want to talk a little bit about how engaged we were. Did you feel engaged in this game fully without a plethora of physical elements? Yes. Talk to me about that.
1: Um, we've talked about it a little bit already. I think the narrative was well done for a puzzle hunt, to say the least. I mean, I would give it very much high praise for how much I enjoyed the narrative in this, in this experience or in the puzzle hunt. Um, the, the puzzles themselves with how difficult or time-consuming some of them took was the real engagement. I didn't need loads of physical things to interact with because the puzzle itself made me think the entire time. Like, there was never a moment it felt like when we were doing those that I wasn't thinking about what I needed to do next. If it was researching one and I solved one, I immediately moved on to the next puzzle. You know, or if we were working together on one, we both would look at each other and we'd research parts of it that we weren't sure of. I never felt – it felt like every time we opened one up and we started our timer to, like, to start, I was full-blown engaged. The only times that I ever felt that we were not engaged was when we hit a big stopping point where we didn't make connections, which, like I said, was in our, you know, what we thought was maybe personal room for improvements. Um, I, yeah, I, there was never a moment I felt not engaged in this game, to be honest. It was quite well done.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like this game a lot because we've talked a lot about the subjectivity of what we enjoy in the game. Yes. And this is not usually my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I love games and prefer games with more physical elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, example, we just played uh, Witchery Spell, which we'll be doing a review on here, um, I believe, in about a month's time. Yeah. And full, chocked full of physical elements. Really great game. I love that game. Um, but coming back to the game at hand, I was fully engaged with just these postcards. And there, that was it. Yeah. And that was it. There are some digital elements to this game. Oh, yeah. But I think what this goes back to saying two things. One, everybody has something subjectively that they like more than something else. And two, do what you're doing well. This is a postcard puzzle hunt, and it's done really well. Yes, And because of that, I enjoyed the game. Now, if I had to compare that to the best game with the best physical elements compared to this, would I probably pick the game with physical elements? Yes. But... I feel like that gives even more credit to a game like this to say like this is not my usual of cup of tea but it was done at a really high level so I really enjoyed it and yeah. we'll come back and we'll play future seasons and do other those things so m- as a creator make the decisions that you're going to make find that lane find that element just do it really well mm-hmm. this is a perfect example of that agreed all right our last question would this be the game that you would hand someone jumping into a first time puzzle hunt world
1: I feel like we're going to have very disagreeing. I'm interested to hear what you say. I think this is, I here. here's what I'm going to say about it though. These are the only points I'm going to make. They're going to counter argue myself. And I think you'd bring them up is cause I think you'll be the opposite opinion. That, that's my, that's what I think so far. Here's what I say. The first thing is there are a few puzzles that are very big, hard difficulties, but this experience offers so many different tools to help you experience it. Uh, the other thing we brought up in our room for improvements, which is also would be an counter argument to this, is that the onboarding in the first one is kind of inexistent. Um, it's, th- but those are the two things. I mean, I-, I think the experience is fun and engaging. I It gives it a really fun narrative to go along with it. And the amount of, like I said, I, I think the tools alone make it worth it being the first time. Because not many puzzle hunts give you a, a, give you like a hint system or give you a tool to help you solve the puzzles themselves. Sure. And this experience offered both. And they were both well done. Um, there was maybe one point, and I think it, that we were in the clue system that I I think it didn't make sense. Like I, I questioned it. Like I was like, okay, either I didn't make that connection or like I think this could have been worded better. Sure. But I mean overall, the like when we went back and looked at some of the clues, it made sense. I was like these are these are good hints for a puzzle hunt. Um but I I think I would give this to someone as a first time. I would just give them notes of things that they would need to watch out for if it let's say it didn't get changed, right?
2: I got and you know me too well. This is not the first puzzle hunt I would hand somebody. Yes, I very much. Here, so. And and here's why, here's my argument because you and I are familiar with braille. Yes. With Morse with caesar ciphers with cephamore with uh even like flag based nautical exchanges yep like we've we've experienced that enough in other things to where we understand that if if this was somebody's like first time Favorite ever jumping like yeah. it's still too deep for them there there are other puzzle hunt games out there and that isn't to discredit this game cuz this is a great puzzle hunt game that introduce people, not just to the genre, but to what is a code? What is a cipher? What is, what is this? Like we talked about, um, in, uh, in our box one interview, David brought up the point. They did an amazing job of letting people know which wheel to use. Yeah. Like, and, and, and understanding that. So I, I think, I, I think maybe this would be a good first, uh, Puzzle hunt for maybe somebody who's actively involved in the escape room world like I could see that as a good transition Mm -hmm. But in terms of like if this was just their first puzzle hunt period or early in their puzzle experience This is good. This is not aimed at my opinion in the first time player.
1: I yeah, I could see where you came from I I think I agree with part of what you're saying like I mean I think when I originally answered And part of it is we brought up with the the interview I think from or the review from geek dad was about escape rooms Yes, I think this is the first I think this is a good very good uh bridge between the two. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I yeah. I mean, I just think it offers so many tools. But I do agree that I mean, if I literally knew nothing, I could very much see even if they gave you the tools, there's no way you would get some. You'd of those be puzzles. lost. You would literally not have any. Like understanding. it wouldn't
2: it wouldn't be fun. And I think that is one reason to be it's thankful for the escape room world is because it is onboarding a lot of people into deeper puzzle worlds. Yeah. Right? Because of its proliferation in in the world and it's in the cultural zeitgeist now we can take from that and build into this deeper like it's 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 a how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go type of issue and yeah. i'm and, and i'm just saying like this in my opinion this would be like you know taking out, like abducting alice and like chucking her down the hole versus yeah. <laughs> versus her like slowly meandering into this world and exploring it a little yeah. bit yeah
1: i mean the other part of this too And this is a a personal thing is I think out of the experience, we've only played, I have personally have only played two puzzle hunt experiences that we've, we've played on like a, for the show reason. Sure. We've done a little bit of like, uh, we did some different, we're currently doing some puzzle hunts that we're still trying to, we're trying to solve. Um, and those are really fun. And I, I think so far I I can understand because I think the hard part is so far I've only played two. And I haven't seen many of the other ones that are more introductory. Yes. So if I had to base it on what I thought would be a good starter, like the, the like we talked about Enigmas on another show, the the deck of cards. Those first three are actually pretty solid yeah, openers. And they I give you instructions how to do them. I agree. I totally agree. So those are good intros. But then when you get to the actual puzzle, it becomes Mammoth. Yes. And that's the point. You sure. are now getting into the deep end. Um while this game, I think it introduces you to a mix of different types, but there are just some puzzles in this experience that I could understand from a first-person point of view or first-time playing point of view that you would, you wouldn't enjoy it yeah. if you didn't, if you couldn't grasp it at all. Yeah,
2: it's and, it, and again, it's just like this is a well-done, well-made product, but I just this is not where I would start somebody who's like, who wanted to go down the puzzle hunt world. Sure, 100%. I, I get that. Hundred percent. All right, that's going to wrap us up. We're going to take a quick break before we head into Questions for Creators.
0: There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators.
2: All right, Zach, pick a card, any card.
1: Dude, we are supposed to be doing an ad right now. Okay, I know. Just just be cool, Zach. You know I always wanted to be a magician. I don't think this is the right time or medium for a magic trick but okay, I've picked a card. Okay, look at it and don't tell me what it is. And how's the audience going to know what card this is? Just uh, just be cool, man. I,
2: I just got this new Enigma's card deck, and I just wanted to show you a new trick I've been
1: working on. Oh, Jared. I'm sure your trick's going to be great, but there's something you don't know about that deck. <laughs> okay, I see what's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. What?
2: You think you're a better magician than me. You think you know more about this deck of cards than I do. You're trying to heckle me and usurp the
1: great Jared Zini. <sighs> Jared, Jared, Jared. Well, I did back the project on Kickstarter, and I've been playing the puzzle game hidden inside. There's actually a full puzzle hunt you can discover. I imagine you got those over at com. Nice
2: try, Zach, but a magician never reveals his secrets.
1: Magician's code. Well... If you're looking for an amazing experience from a real magician. I'm sitting right here. Then head over to davidkwongmagic.com and pick up Enigma's Puzzle Hunt playing cards. Welcome back, guys, to Questions for Creators. In this segment, this is kind of a a point where we actually ask questions to the creators themselves. Um, Some of this, we kind of just give them ahead of time so they know what kind of questions we're going to give them. And then we discuss it with them you know, and kind of present it to them. And it's just a really cool part of the show where we get to learn really what's going on in the heads of some of the people who create these games because they're they're amazing people. And some of the stuff they're able to do is just awesome. Um, So, Jared, who are we going to be talking to from Enigma Emporium?
2: We're going to be talking to Kiara, who is 50, 50% of the equation yes. in the Enigma Emporium world. Uh, and I want to make sure that's very clear because what we... Uh, We are not perfect. In our very first episode, we made the mistake uh, of uh, editing or just not doing a good enough job to say that there were multiple creators on a project Yes, accidentally caused a little drama, if we're being honest. Unintentionally, it was unintentional. But we want to make sure, and and Kiara will tell us a little bit about her partner and how they work together to create the products that they do. Yes. But we're just specifically interviewing Kiara, and Mm -hmm. I say we jump on into it. Let's
1: do it. So... Tell us your name and what you were doing before Enigma Emporium.
0: All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Chiara Foss. I am the owner, manager, and designer of Enigma Emporium, along with my business partner, Logan Giannini. Unfortunately, he could not join us today. He is a very busy bee. He's currently uh, moving into a new house he just purchased. It's very exciting. I'm very happy for him. Very excited to get product out of my house and into that one, but... He is unfortunately not available at present time and misses you all. So Enigma Emporium has been my full-time focus for the last almost two years. Yeah, almost two years as of like April 1st, I believe. And prior to that, just prior to that, I was working at an escape room with Logan. He was managing the escape room and I was the assistant manager. And prior to the escape room, I worked in customer service. I worked at Hot Topic at the Mall of America. I worked at Michael's, it's a craft store, and a couple other assorted places, but really heavily customer service focused. Uh, I have some art background, some fine arts training, but really customer service was my thing. And escape rooms was a really, really good place for me to land. It was a nice meshing of that heavy customer service background and making people happy and working with the public, as well as feeding back into some interests that I hadn't really touched Since I was a kid, codes, ciphers, puzzles, that kind of playing with reality and with space and how it functions. And so I settled in really, really nicely to the escape room.
2: How did Enigma Emporium come into existence?
0: Yeah, so while Logan and I were working at the escape room together we ended up having a lot of free time. It was a brand new escape room company. Escape rooms were still a pretty new thing. This was back in like 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. And so they were just kind of getting to the U.S. at that point. We had a bunch more out on the coast, but in the Midwest, it was almost unheard of. And so it was a brand new company. I'd actually helped build a lot of those rooms. Logan did too. Got it up and going, and it was dead quiet. And we had all this free time to kill. And needed something vaguely work-related to do that wasn't just cleaning because everything was very clean because no one was visiting. And we ended up playing a ton of at-home or out-of-a-box escape room games, mostly unlock, exit, stuff like that, and got into a lot of discussions about what we really liked about them. And, you know, what would we have done differently had we made this game? And those conversations pretty quickly transitioned into us Discussing, Okay, what if we did make a game like this? What would that look like? What would it entail? What would be like the root goal that we would be trying to accomplish there? And that, again, pretty quickly transitioned into maybe we should do that. Let's let's think about that started brainstorming names, going back and forth and ended up sitting down and having a serious conversation with each other about, you know, do we want to actually go for this? Do we want to try and make Puzzle games and decided that yes, yes, we did. And from there followed the Enigma Emporium. How did you decide on
1: the format of the postcards as the medium for this game?
0: So, a lot of our really early discussion back and forth about what we wanted our first product to be, we were going for the box of bits model, being, you know, you get your nice box and it's got a bunch of paper props and a few nice, like, actually hefty props, like, you know, a cool coin or a little wooden thing, or like maybe a little tiny UV flashlight, you know, bits and pieces, all in a box, all themed together, and realized pretty quickly that that was going to be a really daunting task for a brand new company from a production standpoint, because either we would be undertaking a massive manufacturing endeavor with all of these different components with an actual manufacturer, which neither of us felt prepared for, or we would have to do everything by hand ourselves, which again, we didn't really feel prepared for because if stuff went well, we were hoping to sell, you know, at least 500 to 1,000 of these. And I didn't want to sit down and have to pack 500 to 1,000 boxes full of bits. And so we did some more talking about, you know, what format we wanted to do and settled pretty quickly that we wanted to do something that was paper-based. And that could have been letters. It could have been all sorts of different bits and bobs, but postcards we settled on because they are so concise. It doesn't give you a lot of room to play around. It doesn't let you flaunt really weird, complex ideas. You have to keep it contained. And it's something that is visually impactful and something that is easily recognizable, at least in a Western context. You know, I go to any convenience store in the U.S. or Canada, and they probably have postcards. And so it's It seemed like a good medium to convey puzzles, both visually and in a written format, because a postcard contains both of those very, very naturally blocks of space for writing for larger blocks of text, as well as all of that nice visual space to play with along the front in the stamps, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Why did you all decide to go for more of a puzzle hunt feel versus a escape room vibe?
0: Part of the reason that we opted for that very puzzle hunt research based is the concise nature of the postcards. We only have so much space to give you the needed information. So being able to send you outside of those five cards to go and get more pieces of information to bring back gives us a lot more to play with. And I think that, at least for myself, I'd say Logan as well, we're both very conscious of the fact that we're designing in the 21st century. And, you know, a vast majority of people are carrying around an incredibly powerful computer 95% of the time. And there's no reason not to include that in play in this kind of way. And so I don't ever expect anyone to be able to do any of our postcard games, certainly, probably not Cart Rouge either, without going and seeking external information, because I know that you can. And research like that is fun. It's one thing to have to sit down and learn chemistry, but it's another to go and find a couple little facts and be like, oh, that's cool. Now I know this thing about chemistry and be able to potentially retain it. But if not, at least use it for fun. How do you go about creating the puzzles in your games? Okay. So season one was mostly Logan's design work. So I can't speak super intimately about like the specifics going on inside his head, but I can speak about our general design process pretty well. Um, I have designed two of our games that are available to the public being Cart Rouge and Trial by Cypher. Everything else thus far has been Logan. I do a lot more of our background work usually and Cart Rouge took forever, but each game that Logan has designed, he, lays out the design work and the groundwork and gets a rough draft up. And then usually he passes it over to me. And I know vaguely what's happening with that game up to that point. I know the overarching story. I know the concept. So like with Wish You Were Here, I knew that it was five postcards. I knew that they were following a character, a criminal. And that was about all the information I had. I hadn't proofed any of the puzzles. I hadn't really helped with any of the design work and Logan handed it to me and said, here, play this. And I think that it's been really beneficial. We have kept up with that model of when one of us finishes a game, we pass it to the other because that person already understands the gist of what we're going for. They have the same design ethos overall and can make sure that the game lines up with that. It's that first initial just proof of concept. And that has been really helpful. We also have a proper playtest group at this point, which is fantastic. We have a little Slack channel going with a handful of folks that we pay per playtest. And so, for season two, for example, once those games were designed and had been proofed by each other, we gave them to our playtesting group so they could run through everything, catch any errors, let us know if there was anything they didn't like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, I'll speak on my personal design process a little bit, even though we're not talking as much about those games. Uh, for Trial by Cypher, for example, I took each card and I assigned it a very specific theme, and I worked the puzzles within that theme. And so that was a little backwards from how I usually go about most of my design, but it seemed to work out pretty well, and I really like how that game came out from an aesthetic standpoint each card is very distinct each one is its own contained little set of puzzle and game within a very specific style that all kind of ties together and yeah speaking very generally I'd say that it's a very cyclical process half the time the theme informs the puzzle half the time the puzzle informs the theme Because sometimes an idea just pops to mind and you're like, oh, I need to use that. How do I work that into the game? Like, that's just, it's too good. I can't not use it. But other times you're sitting there and you're like, why does nothing fit here? Like, that doesn't fit this theme and that doesn't fit this theme. And maybe that, no, it won't. (laughs) And, you know, you've got to do some digging. I spend a lot of time uh, actually on Wikipedia. I don't use Wikipedia itself as a source for much, but it's a great bouncing off point to other stuff. And there's a couple lists. I'll have to find it and link you to it after the interview. But there's one that I believe is the list of odd occurrences. And it's just a collection of all these other articles on Wikipedia that are just strange in some way, shape, or form. And so if, you know, I have like five to ten minutes to kill, like I'm picking someone up and they're being a little slow, I'll just hop on there and start scrolling and be like, oh, that looks interesting and start reading about that because I just, I need fresh material very consistently because anything can be a puzzle. I just have to locate it.
2: What can we expect from the future of Enigma Emporium in the at-home puzzle and mystery space? And do you have other ideas for different games in the future?
0: We are super super excited for. That project is called Funny Pages, a comical puzzle game. And it is a set of single panel comics. Think in the style of Far Side by Gary Larson if you're familiar, where it's a really bright, nicely illustrated, very colorful image with punchline underneath. And hidden throughout this set of comics, there's a whole story about a disappeared comics artist who you must solve the mystery of his disappearance uh this game is going to be a much heavier production effort than any of our previous games it's going to come in a nice big fancy box it's going to have some extra bits and bobs in addition to the comics themselves and it's going to have a booklet which we are super excited for one of the things that we have heard most consistently is that our games throw people into the deep end And in certain regards, that's a really good thing. And for experienced puzzlers, it's something that we have gotten a lot of compliments and a lot of commendation for, because more experienced puzzlers really don't need that handholding. But for someone who's fresher to puzzles and doesn't quite understand what they're looking for or what might signal where puzzles are, it can be a little much. And so the booklet is to try and help alleviate that. The booklet will contain a few demo comics These are not part of the actual game. We had our illustrator work them up. Logan made some puzzles for them in the same style as the rest of the game. And they are specifically to showcase how the game works. And so we will have little in-character explanations of, oh, this comic is giving you this information in this kind of way. Oh, it's ridiculous. And there will also be clues in the booklet which will be super great. We are going to actually have our clues available in multiple different formats for this game. So in the booklet, you will have rotate 13 clues available in the standard tiered clue. So hint one, hint two, hint three, and then the solution. And all rotated 13 so you don't get any accidental hints because that's no fun. But then in the booklet, we'll also have contentiously QR codes. So if you have your smartphone on you, you pull it out, scan it, and there's your clue. In addition to those printed ones in the booklet, we're going to have our clues on the website as we have had for all our previous games. So you'll have three available formats to get your clues for Funny Pages, which we're really excited about. So it's been a lot of fun. I actually had the privilege of playing Funny Pages for the first time a couple months ago, contrary to... What I was just saying, uh, I did not do the initial blind play test on this game. Uh that was passed straight to our playtesters. And then it was given to me as the final set of eyes before we called it good to go. No more edits, no more changes on our artist's part. And so I only played it about two months ago, right before I got into working on the prepress files. And it was a lot of fun. It's witty, it's really difficult in some spots and then you look at it again you're like oh that just that makes so much sense how did I not get that and it's a lot more lighthearted than a lot of the games on the market which I'm I'm excited for I think it's a good time for more lighthearted things in the world we could use more of that and yeah yeah I'm just really excited the pre-production files are coming along splendidly it's gonna look great Enough about funny pages, though. Regarding other projects, we have so many ideas in the pipeline. Uh, A series three of puzzle postcards is not out of the question by any means. Part of the reason we like the postcards is that they are, again, concise, and so we can put them together pretty readily as long as we get through that design stage well enough. And... I I have been fixing to do a puzzle book for a while. What exactly that's going to look like, I am unsure. Um, One thing that I have been pretty strongly considering and that I have gathered research materials for is a puzzly collection of Aesop's Fables. So something really nicely illustrated, something that can be played across age ranges. So, you know, family with kids can totally play that with the kids, read the stories with the kids. Kids might not get all the puzzles, but you know, good family experience, but something that's still in depth and intriguing enough that adults would just want it for themselves too. So that's that's on the table, potentially something more along the lines of like journal 29 as well, where it's the single serve puzzles just individually. Another deck of cards has occurred to me, but the last deck of cards was a uh, it was an undertaking, so that might that might wait for a little while
1: and a question we like to ask to all the creators is what games are you guys playing currently that you think our listeners should
0: check out so this might be somewhat of a departure from what folks usually talk about playing, but i I have been as I think I mentioned, very, very busy with the pre-production files for Funny Pages. So my playing time has unfortunately been severely lessened for the last little while. And so I have actually been playing games on my phone and I still have a leaning towards puzzly games. Uh, Specifically, I've been replaying some of the Cube Escape series by Rusty Lake. And if you have not played the Cube Escape series or any of the other Rusty Lake games, I whole, wholeheartedly recommend them. They are a kind of traditionally styled point-and-click digital escape game where you go and find objects and click and collect them and go and apply them in new places. But they play with the medium in a really, really excellent fashion. And the art style is just to die for. It's very dark and a little twisty and kind of surreal, a little uncanny. And it's all built within this world called Rusty Lake. It's a fantastic series, a lot of fun. And the Cube Escape ones are super quick. Uh, Part of the reason I like them is I can get through one of the whole games in like an hour or so, which is just nice to get my brain going again and give me something to do for a little bit that is puzzly but not aggressively so.
1: All right. Well, that's going to wrap up questions for creators. I mean, that was that was a really, really good interview. I mean, we learned a lot from it. Um, very, very much appreciate uh, Kiara being on the show. Yes. Uh very, very fun. Um, but thank you guys for being here. Um, if you guys want to know more about Enigma Emporium, make sure you go to their website, which is the com. And then as well, if you want to find puzzling company, you can find us on our social media websites. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Um, and we'd very much appreciate if you ever aren't already just put us on a regular download or follow us. We'd very much appreciate it. Um, we've said this before in, in a few other episodes, but we very much appreciate the love and support we've been getting. If that's through messages through Facebook or putting us on download or the comments we've seen in some of the groups, it's definitely been a blast to make the content. And I'll, I'll say from my, you know, myself and I think for Jared, it, it's great being able to know you guys and know that, y- you know, you guys have been enjoying the content because we very much obviously enjoy just talking about them. Um, but yeah, we, we appreciate you guys hopefully listening more to us. Um, but that's been an, an episode of Puzzling Company uh, for Jared and Zach. We're going to be heading out. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.
1: This has been the Rogue Media Network Podcast.